It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have back with me for another go around, my friend and yours, hailing from the Big Island of Hawaii, Stephen Offenbaker. Steve, how you doing, sir? Aloha. I am doing good. I'm going to talk a little baseball with you, and then I've got some nice uh, New York steaks to go on to the grill. I just picked up a bottle of Kentucky's finest Four Roses single barrel, and I am ready to go. That sounds like a wonderful night, and I won't keep you too long from getting there, but I do want to talk, like you said, we're going to talk about some good old baseball here with the Red Lakes. We're going to be looking at the catcher position, evaluating what Tucker and Kurt gave us last year from behind the plate. Also have an interesting thought about an article that just dropped on ESPN.com by Jeff Passan. But before all that, wanted to make sure and remind everybody that the month of May is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for the best tasting protein bar on the market, look no further than Built Bar. They've got all kind of great flavors like mint chocolate cream. Go grab you one today at BuiltBar.com and enter promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. All right, so let's talk some baseball here. We've got some promising News Now, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to get my hopes up and, and mark it on my calendar that we're going to have baseball July 1st because there, there has been caveats from Major League Baseball executives saying this is the optimistic timeline. But according to Jeff Passan at ESPN.com, teams are telling players to begin ramping up for a second spring training and there is supposedly a plan that is in the works that will be presented to the MLBPA within the week. Steve, what's your first thoughts on that? Well, I'm just happy that everybody's finally coming around to my way of thinking. Uh, back when this whole thing first started, uh, I did an episode on the Reds Alert podcast where I laid out what I would like to see happen based on all of the shutdowns. And it was pretty much exactly this. It was a June uh, spring training round two, followed by a season start of July 1st, no all-star break, uh, pretty much no days off during the season. And you can get a 120-game season in between July and October. And then you do the playoffs in November. And if that means playing all of the playoffs in domes or warm weather cities, so be it. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they handle that exactly, but uh, this pretty much falls in line with exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, they, if if they want to have a meaningful number of games, the season needs to start in July. I read something there toward the end of the article that says that if baseball gets postponed 
any more past the month of July that there will be mass furloughs, maybe even some layoffs and things like that. I, I know that before then they're going to get something going because I feel like if they don't get any baseball going before the month of July, they're probably just not going to have it. But that being said, I like some of the things that I've seen about playing in home ballparks, realigning uh, to three 10-team divisions, things like that. I, I think that those are viable options from my small brain. I know there's many variables that I myself cannot see, and pretty much anybody who even thinks they can make a plan up about this really can't see. So hopefully something like this comes about I wonder, I mean, this isn't to say that we shouldn't play it at all, but we're definitely going to look back on 2020 with some kind of asterisk. If uh, whoever wins the championship this year, are we going to put some sort of caveat on it? Yeah, well, that was a weird year. We're almost not even going to count it. Well, there's a couple things to unpack with what you just said. Um, firstly, I think it depends on the number of games. I, I think that 120-game threshold for me uh, – lends some credibility to the season sure if you go much less than that you know a half season doesn't do it for me uh you know anything under 100 really doesn't do it for me i think 120 games is where they need to be uh interesting you mentioned the the realignment because i have a problem with that part of the plan if okay. we're gonna play in if we're gonna play in the home ballparks and we're gonna travel around and play other teams that means that they're going to fly. They're going to charter a plane. My my guess is each team will charter a plane that gets super sanitized and the team flies together. And so whether you're playing the Cleveland Indians or you're playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, if you use the same plane and you're staying in hotels and you just take precautions, it really doesn't matter how far you're traveling. So as far as that goes for me – I would rather them keep the traditional division format that we've got. Uh, I don't want to get lumped in with the Indians and the White Sox and all this stuff because then there again, as you mentioned, do we look at the season and go, well, the Reds won the division, but it was with all these other people. Uh, it was with the American League who weren't used to facing the National League pitchers and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let's not get gimmicky just for the sake of getting gimmicky. So – if they can come out and present a good reason why they need to realign these divisions, then I, I'd be happy to listen and consider it and, and get used to it. But if they're still flying and they're still staying in hotels, I see no reason for it. Right. I, I don't think a Major League Baseball team is going to jump on a bus and drive from Cincinnati to Kansas City. That that just doesn't seem like something's going to happen. Also, you were talking about a super sanitized plane, and I know – that there's plenty of smart ways to actually do this, but my dumb brain was imagining a plane getting submerged in a pool of hand sanitizer. And I'm trying to think of how uh, big that pool would have to be. Jeff, you are one special dude, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, uh, um, uh, God bless my wife. Um, let's say... Uh, Ain't let's that say, the truth? <laughs> let's... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful... I, I don't know, because also, even if they are to get the okay that they can play from health officials and government officials, all that good stuff, they've still got to figure out some things with the Players Association, 
about pay and things that we really don't want to get into because it's murky and all that good stuff. So I'm just hopeful that this is all actually going to happen. I know Trevor Plouffe tweeted about it a couple of days ago, and everybody was kind of like, well, he was a player. So, I mean, it's not as if it's Joe Blow with a blog is tweeting about this, but at the same time, it's not, you know, we're not talking about Ken Rosenthal or Jeff yeah, Passan. There was a there was a lot of animosity flying around. I don't know if you read that whole thread or not, but oh, yeah, I, Lord, I, no. I, I took a dive into the comments on that one, and uh, there was some there was some real animosity and some uh, like <sighs> verified accounts sniping at each other throughout the course of the thing. So uh, it, that was pretty interesting read. See, and, and that's where, and it's and it's interesting because our mutual friend uh, Mo Egger over at ESPN fifteen thirty has been talking about he doesn't want to get too deep into discussions about when sports will be back and things like that because they ultimately divulge into some sort of conversation of well you're either a you know a very negative person or you're a very naive person and he's like I'm just I'm done with those discussions and therein is exactly what he was talking about because people love to do that on Twitter if you talk about mm-hmm. any sort of optimism and it's just ah uh, good old good old Twitter um <laughs> so yeah we'll just leave it at that though we're both optimistic i wanted to point out our brand new sponsor for the month of may built bar built bar has the best tasting bar on the market so many different flavors you've got it you got to check them out at builtbar.com just an absolute netflix like list of great flavors you have all kind of peanut butter and chocolate you've got uh german chocolate cake banana nut bread and if you have a nut allergy they have a dedicated plant that processes their protein bars without any sort of machinery that comes into contact with nuts so you can trust them to be completely allergen free with things like mint chocolate cream double chocolate mousse Lots of great chocolate flavors. You just got to try them. They are so good. And for the main bar that you could probably think of when you think of a protein bar, you're probably thinking about Cliff Bar. But Built Bar has half of the calories, seven times less of the carbs, and seven times less sugar than Cliff Bar does. So you're getting great taste. And it's healthy for you as well. And today you can go to builtbar.com and at checkout, enter promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N to get $10 off your first order today. Go to builtbar.com. Promo code locked on at checkout for $10 off your first order. Also, check out Postmates. Download the Postmates app and enter promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. You'll get free delivery with Postmates for your first seven days of up to $100. No order minimum. If you're like me and you get tired of cooking, look, I love cooking. It's it's fun. You can make some really good stuff. But every so often, I just don't want to make dishes. And I really don't want to get out and go anywhere. I really don't want to get up off the couch. Maybe that's you. Postmates is for you. You can get on their app, check out maybe Jersey Mike's, your favorite restaurant, whether that be Skyline, You want to get like some Applebee's, some Buffalo Wild Wings, whatever it is. It's on Postmates and they'll bring it right to you. You place your order and once you create your profile, 
Enter the code LOCKED ON for free delivery for your first seven days of up to $100 with no order minimum. That's L O C K E D O N in the Postmates app for free delivery your first seven days of up to $100. Anytime you need it, anything you need, Postmate it. Back to our position evaluation the last time. We spoke, we looked at the awesomeness that's going to be Nick Castellanos on your podcast, the Reds Alert Podcast. If you guys don't listen to that, by the way, you can find it on pretty much anywhere podcasts are sold. Well, and it's free, though, so you don't have to buy it. But on the other end of the spectrum, we talked about the right field. So now we're done with the outfield. We're jumping into the infield, and we're going to start out behind the plate, a, a position that really – it's unfair to Tucker that we did this, but it just happened. The Reds tried and didn't quite succeed because he's in Philadelphia, not Cincinnati. They tried to get JT Realmuto before last season, and they didn't. And it's unfair to Tucker to compare him to what JT Realmuto did, but that's just where we're at right now. He you doesn't. Know, for- yeah. For Tucker, that whole that whole off season, you know, it was probably unnerving for him, but it should have been a wake up call. It was yes. it was a clear sign from the front office in Cincinnati that it was their belief that the catching position was prime for upgrade. And Tucker went out in the 2019 season, and he actually did do some things uh, to upgrade himself at that position. His defense improved. He worked on pitch framing uh, to try and help the pitchers out a little bit. You know, he did he did put in some effort. You know, offensively he struggled, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's the business side of baseball. And if if the front, I I want the front office to be constantly evaluating where they can make an upgrade and. Uh, I'm tired of losing, so I don't care who's got to go, who's got to get replaced, or who we got to trade for. I want to win. And the, when you looked at the team, and you still look at the team, catcher is one of the weakest links on the ball club right now. Absolutely. And, and really that's more of a testament to what the rest of the team now looks like than it is a slight against Tucker. Because when you, when you look at catcher as a whole, Tucker's right there in the middle. He's He's not – going to be rated with the lowest catchers in the league, but he's also really not considered one of the top. And when you say that, oh, hey, I mean, Tucker is, uh, you know, the weakest part of this team, it's accurate to the standpoint that the rest of the team is actually pretty strong. And I don't look at it as, oh, Tucker's bad at baseball. He's a pretty decent catcher. But really, when you break down his offensive stats, 82 OPS plus last season, 86 OPS plus for his career, call it what you want, he's a below average hitter. This year, he's uh, making the change. He was a switch hitter. And to be honest with you, maybe at one point during his career, whether it be you know coming up through high school and into the minors and all that good stuff, maybe at one point it was a weapon. It's almost more of a gimmick at this point that he can bat right-handed. So he's batting left-handed my uh, minor- primarily coming into this year, which is going to create an, an obvious platoon situation with Kirk Casale, who if you look at, according to Baseball Reference last year, 
was actually worth more in wins above replacement. He had 1.2 war, while Tucker had 0.6. He's a little bit older than Tucker, but on the whole, Casale has shown himself to be a pretty productive part-time dude and maybe at least throwing his name into the hat of getting more playing time. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, here's here's a couple things to look at. Uh, let's Let's talk about his career splits. So if they go straight platoon behind the plate, which, you know, it may not be a straight platoon, but I think it's going to be pretty close to a platoon. I think there'll be two platoons on this team, uh, first one being left field where we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then the catcher position. So if you look at Kurt Casale career-wise versus left-handing pitching, uh, you know, he's 261, 347, 447. Uh, baseball Reference does this uh, OPS plus based on your splits. And if you take his splits career uh, against the left-handed pitching, his OPS plus is 123. So in a platoon situation, uh, a guy that's, you know, 23% above league average, I'll take that. I, I got no problem with that because, I mean, in reality, this this barnhart Casali platoon is basically going to serve as a placeholder until Tyler Stevenson can get up here. So if, if we've got to do that for this, this out of whack 2020 season, uh, however many games that is, whether it's 90, hundred, 120, whatever they end up squeezing out, I think I can live with that because like we talked about in left field, when you take these two players and platoon them, that's, you know, a, a top third of the league backstop between the two. So uh, I've got no problem with that. Kind of also in the same vein of comparing Tucker with uh, JT Realmuto. Looking at Yasmani Grandal, he's obviously had a better career behind the plate than Tucker has, and he would have been a clear upgrade had they gone out and gotten him. And I think we both agree that he was a guy that we would have liked to see in Cincinnati. Outside of Yasmani Grandal, though, did you see a uh, clear upgrade. Like I even know that obviously Omar Narvaez got traded to Milwaukee from Seattle, so we can even loop him in. Did you see an upgrade with Narvaez or Robinson Chirinos or I think Tyler Flowers was even on the market? Because they all sort of seemed almost on the same level as Tucker to me. Right, that's what I thought too. You know, for me, I thought that Yasmani was an an interesting uh, idea. I thought it would was something worth pursuing but beyond that um i I really think we need to see what we've got in tyler stevenson so if we weren't going to make a significant upgrade to what we have right now i think we roll with this particular catching combination and and just you know i had hoped that Tyler Stevenson would get a full season at AAA and be ready to go for 2021. So what happens now? I don't know. Will there be minor league baseball? Nobody's really even talking about that right now because the major league baseball is so um, out of sorts. But if Tyler continues to develop at some way in the 2020 season, like he was in 2019, I think he's ready in 2021. And then we don't need to go out and spend eight, $9 million a year on, another catcher we can put that money elsewhere i'm intrigued to know and i don't know that either one of us is really qualified to answer this but with the expanded rosters because i read something in the uh, article by jeff Passon saying that active rosters may be expanded to 30 with reserve rosters being closer to 50 
because of the thought that minor league baseball may not happen, I I wonder, and this might be too bold, I think we've approached this on uh, past episodes, but I wonder if we see Tyler Stevenson this year. I don't think so. I, I there's, If you bring him up right now, having not played any triple a baseball you're going to be plucking him out of his first really strong season at double a and throwing him in there against major league pitching i think that's setting him up for failure uh what i would like to see with the expanded rosters is i really think the expanded rosters are going to be more about pitching i think that they're going to use those slots for pitchers because it's going to take a while to get these arms stretched back out and then what i would really like to see if there's no minor league baseball as as we know it, I would love for them to send all the minor leaguers out to Goodyear if the major leaguers are playing in their home parks. Send the minor leaguers out to Goodyear and let them play like uh, instructional league style, just all together. One, you know, send your top, your top, I don't know, thirty guys, prospect wise, from the entire organization, and each team makes a team out of their top thirty guys. You know, I, I would do something like that because it just, I don't think it's fair to any of these young guys that aren't ready to play in the major leagues to suddenly thrust them into the major leagues because of the craziness that is the set of circumstances we're dealing with. I agree with that. And and I hope that they do come up with some way of continuing minor league development because we're talking about a couple of dudes who are set to make some pretty big impacts, at least we hope, in Tyler Stevenson and then also looking at shortstop, which we'll get into in a later episode. Yeah, that's Jose Garcia, and he's going to be fun to talk about when we get to the shortstop position. But, uh, but you know, again, it, even just with him, just briefly, he showed some flashes at the beginning of spring training this year, but he wasn't quite ready for prime time. And I think it would be unfair to him to stunt his development and have him be second, third, fourth on the death chart with the major league team. And then when he does get into a game, it's against major league pitching. I just, I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that is smart from a build for the future, uh, idea. Thought it'd be worth mentioning. Robinson Chirino signed a one-year, $5.5 million deal with the Rangers. He is 35, though. Travis Darno, another name that I, I forgot that was on the free agent market, but he signed a two-year deal at $16 million, so eight per. And then uh, Tyler Flowers signed a one-year, $4 million deal to go back with the Braves. I think that was almost like he might have been a free agent for like 35 seconds, so he may not have even been available for the Reds to sign. And just uh, for anybody that's curious, there was only two catchers who were under the age of 30 who were free agents this past season. One one was a pirate last year in Elias Diaz, and the other was John Ryan Murphy. I have not heard that name. He is with the Pirates now on a minor league deal, though. But yeah, the market, other than Yasmani Grandal, was super thin. And I'm happy that they stood put because I think, as we both agree on this, I think that it's at least going to be a fine strategy for this year. And that Tyler Stevenson will be ready to go next year, assuming that he doesn't just get told to stay home all year. Right. Steve, I appreciate having you on. I've had a lot of fun talking with uh, you about the different positions, looking ahead to hopefully a season coming up here soon evaluating and I hope we get like 120 games something like that because I, I've enjoyed uh, a couple of games that I've watched of the Korean League but it just there's still a little bit 
a twinge in my mind of, you know what? I still really miss Reds baseball. Oh, for sure. I can't wait to be able to tune into some Red Legs. Well, sir, what we got going on over the Res Lord podcast coming up soon? You know, it is difficult, and I give you a lot of credit for being able to go as many days a week as you go right now. So I, I have slowed back down into my off-season, every-other-week groove. Um, our next episode will probably be next week, and uh, that's going to be with you again as we break down another infield position. Uh, then the week after that, I've got a, another in our series with uh, historian Stephen Weider. Uh, this time we're going to be taking a look at Eddie Roush, so uh, that will be pretty nice. interesting to do. And then hopefully by then we will have a much better idea of what the start of the 2020 baseball season looks like. I'll be all in on that because I made the point that Ed Roush is the best center fielder in uh, Reds history, and I got a little bit of pushback from that. But, uh, yeah, and as far as uh, keeping up with the episodes going, all I got to say about that is Milwaukee's Best Light comes in 30 packs for $15 at Kroger. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I love talking Reds baseball. I can talk that about is, it all day, every day, man. That explains some of those episodes now. I have a much clearer <laughs> idea of what was going on there. Steve, man, always appreciate talking to you. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Aloha. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.